Welcome to the Art and Science of Joy podcast. This podcast is all about inspiring people to live more joyfully. So if you're seeking a bit more joy in your own life or seeking to bring some more joy to the lives of others, then this podcast could well be for you. And in the second series of the podcast, we're focusing on joy superpowers, special powers each and every one of us can cultivate in order to navigate these turbulent times in which we live. I'm Andrew Cannon, and I have the honor to be your host. In each episode, I'll be inviting a guest to share their words of wisdom on a specific joy superpower. And in this episode, I'm excited to be talking with Kurt Mercatante about <laughs> the joy superpower of freedom. And I bet I got that all wrong. I'm sure Kurt will correct me on that soon. Kurt helps people design, manifest, and grow businesses that provide them with freedom and fulfillment that they want in their lives. For 25 years, Kurt has been counseling business leaders and has built three profitable businesses, including a seven-figure public relations and advertising agency. Kurt is also a certified human behavior consultant, host of the Kurt Mercatante podcast, and also the book, The Five Pillars of Freedom Lifestyle. Lovely to have you here, Kurt. I'm so much looking forward to our chat today. Andrew, it is a joy to be here. Well, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So, Kurt, what made you interested in the theme of freedom? Yeah, it probably goes back to, to high school. You know, I had, a, uh, I had a teacher who really got me motivated and got us motivated about history, political science. He was a history and political science teacher. Mm. And, and so I always had this, this feeling of, hey, you know, here in the United States of America, you're, you're, you're raised with that. At least we used to be raised with a sense of patriotism and freedom and the founding fathers, et cetera, mm. et cetera, right? Now, as I've traveled around the world, one thing I've realized is that, A, the U.S. isn't the most free, and B, we, don't, we haven't cornered the market on freedom and being free. So that's another topic. But I, I, I gained a love of politics and the political process, probably from my dad, from that teacher. And I wanted to be a political consultant. I wanted to work in Congress, you know, and, and through my career, I ended up doing that. I worked on Capitol Hill, uh, ran, it was, was, uh, ran some campaigns, was on the management team of some tier one U.S. Senate campaigns, worked in uh, trade associations in Washington, D.C. And one thing I realized over time was that politics wasn't about freedom. I used to think politics was about saving the world. And what I realized mm -hmm. was politics is about saving the politicians. And so, but it took me a long time to realize that. I mean, you know, well into about into my forties to realize that. And I started my own agency working in politics, working with trade mm. associations. A lot of the advertising I did, we worked with corporations, healthcare companies, but we worked with a lot of trade associations that did lobbying, advocacy, yeah. did some campaign work. And about four years ago, actually, as we tape this, we're about a week away. Tomorrow, a week from tomorrow will be the four-year anniversary of when I woke up and shut down my seven-figure agency at peak revenue. Oh, wow. Fired all my clients um, because I didn't have the freedom I wanted. And I had set out to build a business and I confused money and working for myself with freedom. Right. And what I realized prison. was absolutely. And, and my health was horrible. I was 60 pounds heavier on a cocktail of prescription drugs. I wasn't being the father and husband I wanted to be. And despite the nice car and the nice mortgage and the money in the mm. bank account, I woke up every day with anxiety because what I found was I had attached meaning to stuff and meaning to money. And so, by the way, I'm a big fan of money. 
I'm a big fan of prosperity and abundance. However, what I realized was I was so focused on money that I wanted to play defense all the time. Mm. And so I wasn't free. I became a prisoner of, you know, there's the old, one of the biggest uh, misnomers growing up is people that, that it's often misquoted is money is the root of all evil. Well, if you actually look, and we don't know the real translation going back thousands of years, right? Remember, These right. things have been, yeah, I could get into the Council of Nicaea. They threw books out, they retranslated mm. them. But even on the oldest translation, it's the love of money is the root of all evil. Now that's very different. You can like money as what it is. It's a tool. It's a Correct. receipt for value given. But when you become obsessed with it, like I did, it can become a prison and you start mm. playing a life of defense. I have to protect it and I need more. And you're willing to sell your health, your relationships down the river in order to get it. That's not freedom. So when I shut down my agency, I immediately said, not only do I want freedom, I want to help others build those lives, that life of freedom as well. Mm, well, that's great. And let's sort of talk a little bit. What is the definition of freedom? I suppose, you know, you mentioned the founding fathers uh, and probably their definition maybe or may not be different from yours or, or how it applies to today's world. But I think that could be a good place to go from there to say, you know, if you had to define it in a sentence or two, how would you define freedom? It's interesting because I had a podcast for about two years and, and it was called Freedom Mindset Radio. And the first question I would ask guests is, what does freedom mean to you? And while there were common themes throughout, everyone had a unique definition of, of what it was. To me, it's living a life in which your days are full of want instead of compulsion. Mm -hmm. Living a life without anxiety and want. Instead of living a life of lack, living a life of abundance and prosperity which is not equal to a money in a bank account. I know some very wealthy people who are impoverished. Mm. I know some people without money who are prosperous. So that's how I define freedom. It's interesting, you know, over the past year, and we don't need to get into that, you know, what's freedom, what's this, what's that. But, but one, one guy I went on a podcast, he said, well, freedom, there's limits to freedom, right? He said, you can't, if you, if you just decided you wanted to go kill someone, you can't just be free to do that. There's limits. I said, well, no, that's, that's not what freedom really is. You know, there's something called, to me, I believe in negative rights, which is I have the freedom to not be enslaved. Thereby, you have the freedom not to be enslaved. So our freedom meets in the middle. It's not a limit. It's just implied freedom. Mm, I have the I like freedom that. to prosperity, but positive rights would mean I have the freedom to prosperity, which means that I have the freedom to take half your income so I'm prosperous. That's mm -hmm. positive rights. The negative rights is the pursuit of happiness. I have the freedom to do that without hurting other people. Right. And everybody so has that, that freedom, right? It's not sort of taking it away from somebody else to, to gain for yourself. Is that what you're exactly. Saying? And it's not given by anyone. Mm. It is, a, I believe freedom is our birthright. We're born in a free state. And you know, people like to say, well, so-and-so in, in a tyrannical regime or wherever, they're taking away your freedom. I believe that the only person who can give away your freedom is you. Yeah. And people say, well, what about if you're in a, a you know, a despot, the despotic country, whatever. If you read what Nelson Mandela wrote, almost three decades in prison, he, he was still free because freedom was between his own two ears. Right. Even though he was in, in prison, he didn't give it away. You know, Victor Frankl and Man's Search for Meaning, mm. he still felt free. He didn't give it away. And if you have that true sense of meaning, that isn't stuff, isn't a place you can go. That's not, that doesn't discount the importance of 
people yeah. uh, fighting to protect their rights, right? However, when you realize that freedom is your birthright, freedom's between your own two ears, no matter what they do to you, you'll always be free. All right, and that, that's beautiful. So talk about your own personal freedom, if, if you would. So how does it show up in your life and how does that compare, you know, maybe to the life you had when you had the, the seven-figure agency? Yeah, I, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is the word subtraction. We all try to build freedom and happiness by adding stuff into our lives. And what happened is we, we forget that each of us has 24 hours in the day. You subtract six to eight hours for a healthy night's sleep. It's limited. Yeah. So subtracting the stuff that doesn't take you in the shortest, simplest, straightest line to where you want to go, to the life you want to live, not just work, mm. but I believe in alignment, not balance, but alignment. There's three facets of your life. Yeah, there's work, of course, but there's relationships and self-care. And often we clearly define work and then we shoehorn in relationships and self-care. Mm. I think they have to be in aligned in a way that works for you. And so on a daily basis, I do what's called audit, edit, eliminate, and restrict. At the end of each day, I go, you know, did I feel joyful today? Can I sit down with a nice ah, and relax? You know, or at the end of the day, do I feel like it was more of a grind? Kurt, I'm going to take you back a step and I yeah. want you to repeat those steps again, right? So nice and slow. What were the four things? Yes. Uh, now I have to remember. <laughs> I, so I, I, at the end of every day, I, I do what's called audit, edit, eliminate, and or restrict. Okay. And that's and every day so I, that you check in on yourself on that. Yeah. Yeah. If, wow. if I look at the end of a day and I'm like something just wasn't feeling right. I look at, okay, what's dragging me? If I'm a, if I'm a boat, what's causing drag? Throw it overboard. Mm. Uh, Bruce Lee had a, an excellent, it's my favorite quote. Well, he had a number of quotes that I love, but one was, they asked him his secret to success. He said, the key isn't in uh, uh, the, um, oh my gosh, I repeat this all the time. What he said was hack away at the unessential. He said, the closer you are to the source, the less wastage mm. there is. And so it, it was in the elimination, not the addition, the subtraction, not the addition. A, a year ago, we, my wife, we have four kids, age, oldest is 15, the youngest is seven. And we decided with everything crazy going on in the world, we had been traveling around the world and now we weren't allowed to. We sold our home and kind of sold, donated most of our possessions, everything that didn't fit into a the back of our minivan, which wow. isn't much because there were six of us and a five foot by five foot storage facility, right? So when we did that, we had to eliminate a lot of stuff. And there wasn't like, basically it was hell yes or no. Anything that was in the middle, we only had five feet. That was on the no side, right? <laughs> yes, look at your lives that way. Mm. Hell yes or no. The stuff that's in the middle that doesn't take you in the shortest, simplest, straightest line, look at your day as a five foot storage facility. What is absolutely necessary there? Because otherwise you clog up the day, you clog your energy. Things that, don't, mm. that give you joy, you don't focus on the things that give you joy. It doesn't mean that stuff's going to happen in your life right. that you're going to have to deal with. People get sick, people die, pandemics happen, right? Things happen. Meteors mm. hit the earth, right? <laughs> All right. these things happen. So don't add more bad stuff into your day. Mm. And that may sound cliche and it may sound naive. I do it every day, every single day. I coach my clients to do it. Right. What gives you joy? Focus on that because life becomes so much more enjoyable 
when you realize you can create it. That is beautiful, right? That's that creation, creators of creation concept. Yes, yes. That's such a beautiful concept that allows you to believe you don't need to carry all this, to haul all this stuff behind you. Um, you can have the freedom and then you can create whenever you need. That's it's, what you imply from the freedom of creation. Yes. It, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting as we enter a world where everyone's talking about AI and all this automation and everything, and it's going to free everyone up. You know, we're not going to have to do repetitive tasks and it's going to free everyone up to focus on their creativity. What we've, I don't see any evidence that that is going to be the case. Why? Because the more the automation has grown, we become more productive. So we start cramming more stuff into our day and we've become more anxious. Mm. We've become slaves to email, to notifications, to the technology. We're becoming bots to compete with the bots. And you look at, you know, we're, we're, you know, depending on where you are the last two years and, and lockdowns and all that. Well, people, we didn't see a, a complete mass transformation of people into healthy, creative creatures. Now, some people did. Right. But we saw a mass of people put on 30 to 40 pounds, mm -hmm. become depressed, hit the bottle. That's not judging them. But what yeah. I'm saying is I think we need to have a transformation of consciousness mm. and mindset in our country or in our world yeah. to prepare us for the world of AI and transformation. Because I don't know if you know Naval Ravikant, great mm. kind of philosopher VC. And he's like, oh, it'll be great. When everything's automated, we can focus on our creative pursuits. I haven't seen the evidence that that's going to happen. Yeah. And that also takes away the notion that work your work can provide you with a sense of purpose and meaning. Mm. And so just saying, oh, repetitive tasks go away, that discounts the fact that people feel a sense of purpose when they work. And work is allowing your creativity to flow. I don't care if you're a waitress in a diner mm. or a high-end consultant, you are creating value for someone else. So we're going to have to have a transformation of mindset before we pull the rug out from people and say, you don't have to work. You know, not, oh, now you're free. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely. If we, we just do that, that's going to go definitely the wrong way for sure. Um, I read, I think it was today, they said that it's only something like, that's already less than 20% of choices um, are ours anymore. If we let it be, the AI, the algorithms are already mating 80% of the choices for us, of what content we see of what choices we have to choose from when we go on a site you know there's already pre-choices made before we even get there um so if we let that happen we're just becoming less and less free and, yeah you know not having the mindset to then use our freed up time to be creative in whatever form of life yeah and i think to some level in modern society, going back maybe even 2000 years, I mean, I read the Tao Te Ching, you even read the gospel, you read uh, historical texts, you read the Gita, you read, uh, you know, the, the teachings of the Buddha, mm -hmm. and even going way back, there was always an illusion of free choice and free will given by certain people in power, etc. And now we see it where it's like, okay, you have free choice, but we're only going to give you three, three buttons to push. Right. Like, well, what about the fourth and fifth button? What about, you know, and, and then you go into the entire, you know, plot of the three Matrix movies, right? It's like, <laughs> wait, was there free will or not? Was it predetermined? And, and mm. um, but now I think it's a little more, um, 
it's either more obvious or more subversive. I'm not sure which. <laughs> right. And that's maybe for another episode. We'll save that yeah, right. matrix deep dive. Yes. <laughs> um, but for now, you mentioned the word joy when you were talking about freedom, and that obviously lifted up my heart to hear you intertwine these two words. So I'd love to hear your take on the link between freedom and joy and what makes having freedom such a great superpower for people to have. Yeah, I think I think that the joy adds that inner smile to you. Mm. And every day I meditate, every morning I get up early and I meditate and as I meditate, there's a number of different affirmations and uh, Thich Nhat Hanh talks about meditating and, you know, it's hard. Your mind goes in a thousand different directions and often it's going into your to-do list, your task list, the things uh. that are going to happen, the limitations, right? So you bring it back and he says, you bring it back to your breath, starting your lower abdomen, which in the Taoist, they call uh, ancient China, they call the Dantian, right? And you bring it up from there through the belly. But as you inhale, as I inhale, I smile. Right. And you actually, I actually put a smile on my face and it feels, it makes your body have goosebumps. Mm. And as you exhale, you relax. But then the other thing I go to is I'm joyful as I inhale, I'm relaxed as I exhale. And it, and it, 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 it gets me in a great state of mind for the day. You know, I did this, uh, I don't like traveling that much. I used to travel all the time and travelers become crazy. And, yeah. and when I was on the plane or in the airport, I would get up and I'd meditate and, and, you know, I was on the plane and I just don't like traveling. And I did that joyful and relaxed, smile and relaxed. And I just felt great. All of a sudden I was smiling when I talked to other people. And, you know, I, I think the meaning of life is joy. Mm. It's not the nine to five. Now, if you can find joy in your work, great, do it. But find joy in everything you do. It's Alan Watts. He's got a series of quotes about this, about, you know, instead of calling it work, call it play. Have fun in life. Like why? We could all be gone tomorrow. Yeah. Why? You know, one of the reasons I shut down my PR and ad agency is because every email, every meeting, every trip, every word I said, every call was the most important call and email in the world mm. until the next call or email or meeting. <laughs> exactly. And it, after 14 years, it was like, no, I want to do what I want to do on mm. my terms. And I want to be joyful. I have four kids. We put a premium on joy. And the first question mm. is, well, what about your curriculum? What about this? What about that? And we don't mm. use one. If right. I had to sum up one word, it's joy right. and it's critical thinking. And they read and we let them self-direct and choose what they want to learn, which I think not only from a state of view as of, of being a human and mindful, for what's coming down the pike, and we talked about AI and all those mm. things, creativity is something. I mean, true creativity, emotional creativity, creative flow is something that I believe no robot's going to be able to have. Mm. And so do we want to have bots with curriculum and memorization to compete with the bots? I don't think so. You want to have that creative people, the creative minds who can figure out creative ways to turn off the bots when they go crazy, right? Right, right. right. And, but, and to uh, me, yeah. I don't even mind if we do have these, you know, super AI bots and with emotional intelligence more than the average human. Um, that, that still isn't an excuse for not developing our own creativity, not developing our own emotional intelligence, our own freedom, our own joy, irrespective of what the robots do or what the people who program the robots do. These are yeah. one or the other, right? It's not a dichotomy here. 
It's strengthening in ourselves. Mm. You know, I think there's a lot of things probably in society from a health point of view that makes us unhealthy with the with technology, whether it's, you know, the Wi-Fi going through our brains and everything, right? But I had this discussion last week with my acupuncturist and he said, listen, all that, yeah, mitigate what you can, but we're it's happening. We're not going to stop it. Empower yourself. And I think I think that is an overall good theme, not yeah. just on technology and AI, but when we look at mm. other people, instead of trying to empower, disempower other people, mm. empower yourself. It's like in college, in, in, at least in America, right? If, if you have a tough professor, just so everyone doesn't flunk, they grade on the curve, you know, where it's, it's based on the average of everyone else. And someone I remember, I remember this going back, gosh, this would have been uh, 35 years, you know, whatever, 30 years ago. And they asked the professor, hey, is this test going to be graded on the curve? And he said, you know what? You might want to spend your life looking to empower yourself and do the best you can rather than the hopes that you're just smarter than other dumb people. Right, 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 right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> health, it reminds me of the question of how quick do you have to run to um, get away from the lion? And it's just not just as quicker than the guy next to you. Right, right. 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 That's all you have to do. That's all you have to do. So uh, we could go on, on this forever. What I want to do is to move us a bit away from personal freedom and we're not going to go too deep into politics but yeah. to to talk a little bit about freedom from a societal level um mm. we found some statistics by statista um and this was from 2018 where they said that when they measured freedom and said free countries were about 40 percent 30 percent they defined as partly free and about 25 percent as not being free on a country level, on a society level, what do you think about that statistic? And, you know, what could be done to help countries be more free? Yeah, you know, it's so interesting because, like I said, here in the U.S., we're raised to think like we're the only free country, right? And everyone's Mm. free. And, and, you know, oh, my gosh, when they talk about Scandinavian countries or they talk, you know, oh, my gosh, they're they're more free and they're happier. Well, they're all socialist communists, right? And then you look into it and it's like not really. And you compare when you look at actually compare apples to apples, you know, on a political socioeconomic basis, right? Well, okay, some people like to talk about Denmark. Well, Denmark's the size of one of our states, and it's pretty homogeneous. You know, it's the U.S., we have a vast cross-section of people, different poverty levels and all that. So you can't truly compare apples to apples. Um, The other piece is people are like, you know, economic freedom. Well, you look at certain things and they're like, they're communist and socialist because they have a vat of X amount. Or they don't have a VAT, but they have a they have a massive income tax. Well, then you look here in the U.S. and it's like we tax everything. I would rather have one high tax than these insidious taxes where they mm. tax you for water, they tax you for getting married, they tax you for the air you breathe, they tax you on your income, they tax you local sales tax, county sales tax, state sales tax. Then they tax you on your capital gains on investments, and they tax mm. you on your mortgage and all this stuff, right? So it's hard to really compare. Yeah. You know, New Zealand was ranked the freest country for years. And I have some friends in New Zealand right now who would greatly argue with that over the last two years. So some of it shifts, right? Mm. Um, so I, you know, I think uh, that those types of statistics, 
you know, having worked in the political realm and trade associations, I often tell people I used to be one of the people who was in charge of buying the science and right. buying the statistics. And so depending on who you are, the greatest branding uh, folks in the world are governments. They're all promoting each other and promote, we're the best, don't leave. You know, people, oh, could you ever leave the US? No, I could never go to Europe, it's dangerous. Those evil people over there. And then you go over there and you travel the world. This is why I think traveling is so mm. wonderful. You go over there and you're like, these folks are so happy. What the heck's going on? They, they eat natural food. You know, you, everyone here thinks, oh, Italians, you know, I'm Italian growing up. Italians are all these overweight, obese people like, the, like you see in, you, know, you go over there and it's like, they're the healthiest people in the world and how they shop and they don't have these big box stores and whatever. Mm. So I think it's comparing apples to oranges. Um, yeah. But the most important piece is this, we homeschool our kids mm. and we've homeschooled since the beginning. And the number one question I get when we tell people we homeschool is, but what about the socialization? Right. And okay, when you look at that and you look at the rates in, let's say, American high schools of depression, suicide, alcoholism, mm. drug abuse, bullying, all these things, it's like, well, what type of socialization do you want? You know, pick it. Right. And when I hear socialization now, I hear conformity. But what about the conformity? What about the conformity? And so I think I think that there is a level of, I think I think it's an important uh, it's important to realize that individuals are not simply cogs of a society. We don't start with the society. We are not just byproducts of society. It's in reverse. Right. I like Strong, that. Yeah. societies are made up of strong individuals. Now that's not saying oh, individualism can become egocentric, mm. right? And selfish, right? I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is a, a, you know, a chain is made up of strong links. Everyone has to be strong. And that's not about me and you just being useful to the collective. Mm. What it means is I use my superpowers. I live a life of joy. I live a life of freedom, a life of creative power. I think our creativity and our creative power is our greatest superpower. And if yeah. we each live according to that, society is going to be so much stronger. And if you want to talk about countries, look at the history of failed states. And they were the states, the countries that have uh, a, a thought in which the individual is seen as evil, mm. right? I mean, the Soviet Union, I mean, you see Cuba barely hanging on. I mean, it's a third world country when you go there, their cars are still from the 1950s. So, you know, strong individuals make up a strong society, not the other way around. Yeah, I, I like this inside out way of looking at that. And I wonder what would happen, you know, if you simply measured this degree of how people, they feel this freedom and this power um, that you talk about as the measurement of that, irrespective of what the economic or the structure that the schools and the hospitals and the tax and all these things right. um, that might not consider, but when it's inside you, how do you feel? And maybe we'd end up with a different ranking of the countries based on that. But if we bring it now a little bit closer to home and, and maybe talk about work. Now you, you talked about this wonderful idea of not work-life balance, but I believe was it integration um, yeah, integration. alignment, you alignment, call it integration, alignment, alignment, but yeah, very yes. similar, yeah. So that's great. And, and mm -hmm. as you know, you know, in the media, you're, you're reading a lot about what they call the great resignation at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people choosing freedom, I suppose. So 
how do you see, you know, in this great resignation, the desire for freedom? Is that a major part of the driver here or is it something else? Yeah, I think I think we have to separate out two things. One is like, uh, uh, you know, restaurants and coffee shops can't find workers. Hmm. Now, I think that's something I don't know if that's happening around the globe, but here in the US, that's something a little bit different. And those are government incentives being given to people not to work. Put that to the side. When you get into the service and the white collar jobs and the executive C-level down to kind of director, you know, assistant, those types of things, I think it's all about freedom. I think that for so long, employers had a warm butts and seats model to hire people, which is we're going to look at a resume and skills. We're going to put them in there. We don't care about their talents, what they want to do, their superpowers, their strengths. We're just going to look at skills in a resume. And if they can't do the job, they're out. And they take advantage. Round peg, square hole, doesn't matter. I think now that's going away. And especially, I think it's going away because people spent a year or two at home, working from home, and they realized a few things. One is they realized how much time they waste at the office doing busy work, how much time they waste on the way to and from the office. I mean, there's some people here in the U.S. with traffic, hour and a half commutes. Mm. Um, You know, the office politics. The, the constant hover bosses, you know. Uh, so they realized those things. Uh, then they realized, wow, I have a family. I have a girlfriend. I have a boyfriend. I have a spouse. I get to see them more. And a friend of ours, their, her husband loves his job. And he was work from home for about a year and a half. Loves his job, but he's quitting. Because mm. they say, we need you to come back to the office. He said, I love my job, but I, I'm not going to do it. Wow. And he wanted that freedom and fulfillment um, and now I even hear of, of, of these jobs that are work from home and virtual, but they're making people log in to either Zoom or this tracking program that mm. watches them all day. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. Like, that's like office, Orwellian. Virtual that's office, a, get in your cubicle on, on this oh. virtual offices. You know, that's full of the, the worst of both worlds. You don't have the social interaction of the water cooler even to get away from that, that control mechanism. Oh, it's, it's even an, at least in person in a cubicle, no one's staring at you every day. Did he pick his nose? Did he do right? This is like a prison. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. Orwellian. Like I picture 1984. Right. That's what they did. They monitored everyone. They monitored your thoughts and what you could through your TV. I mean, so I think that stuff is going away. And I think the employers that say, oh, we just need tougher workers. Mm. They're going to have great problems. And whereas those employers paid lip service to, oh, we'll hire the leadership consultant and the engagement consultant. They never did anything. Now I'm finding and talking to people who are going giving speeches. And I've given some of these speeches too, where it's like, now, no, we need you. We need you to keep our people. Mm. Yeah. This focus on different things. So let's split that into two levels. Let's first talk from the employee perspective, just a little say, okay, for somebody who's listening to this thinking, yeah, you know, um, I feel a little bit stuck in my in my life, in my work. You know, I'm looking at the people making these choices to resign, um, but they're sort of struggling a little bit to actually take that step. Sort of what advice would you have for them? Look at your job search and your career as branding and sales and promote yourself, promote your superpowers, promote your strengths. And when you go in to interview for a job, remember and and have a mindset, you are interviewing them as much as they are interviewing you. 
And when you go into it with that mentality, you're empowered, but you're less likely to select a job that you think, you know, it may be, you may be stuck in a prison now, but I often tell my clients, you don't want to jump ship to another prison just because it has newer landscaping or fresher paint on the walls. <laughs> and so it's like that with anything, with a negotiation, right? Mm. You don't want to be in, fall in love with what you're about to negotiate on because then you're weaker, right? So go into it with power. And right now, workers have power. Um, and I think we're seeing the, the fact that they have power is by their willing to give up money mm. for freedom, for fulfillment, for work from home, for, for um, being appreciated, for advancement, for feeling coached, for feeling developed. And it's something that Gallup's talked about for decades, and now we're really seeing it come through. We are. We are. Talk about, so remind us of the quote. It wasn't that money is evil. It's the love of money. There you go. There you go. So people that are realizing that are realizing that they can empower themselves by losing that saying, I I love money. I've got to jump from one job to another um, just for that money. So purpose is is a wonderful thing. I love this concept of having people going on with a strong mindset saying, I'm interviewing this employer. Are they up for me? Are they going to be yeah. up for me? That's the new mindset. I love that. So now we're going to switch this around and we're now the leader. But he's, oh, no, you know, I used to be able to cherry pick and choose and it was all about me. And that's a changed world, right? So freedom as a business leader perspective. So, you know, it's certainly come to the leader's radar with all the, the home remote working going on. So that's a good thing. It's on their radar. But let's talk about corporate values because... Mm. Obviously, freedom is a value question at the end of it. So, you know, is it good to have a corporate value of freedom today? And how does that play out in practical terms to integrate that value of freedom into a business? Yeah, I think it's I think it's it's realizing that as a business owner, if you if you if you're a leader, a true leader within a corporation, and if you're a true leader, it's not just about you, anyways. Mm. You know, a boss is someone who thinks about him or herself only. It's it's all about ego. A true leader, you know, if you read the Tao Te Ching and you read Lao Tzu and you read read Changsa, being a true leader. If you are a true leader, uh, there's a quote that Lao Tzu has, and it's something along the lines of uh, the people, uh, you know, move forward and the people progress and think it's their idea. Mm. You don't have to be the center of attention, right? right. You, you, you lead with a gentle touch instead of this authoritarian kind of bent. And I think that's what we're seeing. I mean, people are like, listen, I got to go back in the office and deal with this jerk. There's no way. They would rather give up money than have this authoritarian top down. Now, that doesn't mean you let the inmates run the asylum, right? It doesn't mean that you give control, but you have this freedom. And and I think, you know, I'm a Gallup certified strengths coach, and it goes back to what are the individual superpowers? I think Mm. that a truly free and effective workplace is what I like to call an outcomes-focused workplace, not just goals, and we're going to ride you into the ground. What I mean is this. It's where you allow and empower your individual teammates and team members Mm. to utilize their unique superpowers to achieve key outcomes that move the company forward, no matter what time they're in their seat, no matter how long their lunch hour is. When you judge people on actual outcomes instead of 
dumb inputs. Like, I mean, I, I had a client and they were an employer at one point, but they would have their HR director go around at 8.30 in the morning to make sure that administrative staff were hourly and VPs who were getting paid three, $400,000 were in their seats at 8.30. I mean, wow. the VPs are getting paid three or $400,000 to achieve key outcomes. Yeah. When you build an inputs-based work environment, it's authoritarian, it's random, uh, it's not free. And people are going to leave because it's like, I want to be judged on being able to move an organization forward. I want to have a feeling of accomplishment, not a feeling of tasks and to-do lists. And uh, are you judging my hour at work and the surveillance kind of, mm. of, uh, of culture? Right. I mean, that is an amazing difference in culture, right? Because to give them the freedom, I think what it comes back to is creativity, again that you talked about this link between freedom and creativity that when mm. you give people the freedom they can release their creative selves um, to achieve those outcomes that the business desires yeah. if i understand that correctly absolutely absolutely yeah. wonderful well, let's swing right back to a personal level and i'm going to quote you a text from an article in psychology today um by a scientist called Thomas Rutledge. And forgive me, it's a little bit of a long quote, so you can sit back and drink a glass of water while I <laughs> read it for you. Um, but he said that, that each day we exercise our freedoms in hundreds of ways that impact our health. Freedom begins affecting our health, and in fact, from the moment we get out of bed. Some of these freedom effects are large and immediate, such as raising our risk of injury, if we choose to drive at a speed above the limit or under the influence of alcohol or with sleep deprivation, while others' effects seem insignificant in the moment, yet compound dramatically over time, such as the accumulative effect of daily choices about nutrition, sleep, exercise. So what do you think about that, um, that sort of research? Do you agree that, that freedom has this much effect on us from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to, to bed. Yes. And, and, and especially, you know, I want to focus on the last their line or two that you read, which is the compounding effect of sleep mm. and nutrition and freedom requires, this is going to sound counterintuitive, but a river is a river and not a pond or a lake because of the banks of the river. The banks come in and force this thing to move forward. Now it's on mm. a hill. Now, what I mean by that is this, we had a dog, a, a pug uh, for years. We had a couple pugs and when we first got the pug. We're like, it's only, we'd go to work during the day and we'd say, well, we don't want to, we don't want to coop up that we felt bad for putting the dog in a crate. Mm. What we learned was our neighbors were mad at us because the dog would bark all day. He'd poop all over the floor. He'd eat our shoes and all these things. And we took him to the vet and the vet said, no, you don't understand. Pugs are very nervous animals. It mm. is actually cruel to leave him outside the crate all day. Because when you put him in the crate, it's not about limiting his movement and his freedom. It's about protecting his freedom because you're keeping the bad stuff out. And so what I often tell people, you know, when I left my nine to five job and my corporate gig, I wanted to rebel against order. So I went too far into the chaos category. And what happened was I built a prison of chaos. So I wanted to go out and just take every day as it did. I didn't time block. I didn't do this. I wanted to be free. And what happened was I didn't get anything done. Mm. What I had to learn was 
guardrails, the banks of the river allow the river to flow. Wow. It's not limitations on your freedom. It's keeping the bad stuff, the chaos out. This goes back to subtraction. Mm. You have to put up the walls and the gates to let the unessential out. So you can focus on the essential and flow forward like a, like a mountain stream. Right. And that is, listen, uh, 2008, 2009 was the last time I had a piece of bread or a beer. Mm. I had health problems for years and I realized it was a gluten intolerance, a number of food allergies, all these things. And now in my head, I used to think, well, I'm weak. I'm not a real man if I don't have a beer and all this. Well, I was unfree because I was also going to the emergency room with absolute massive stomach pains. Wow. So I made a change right in my lifestyle. Now, someone could say, well, you're limiting your freedom. No, I'm protecting my freedom because whereas you're going to have that pizza and not be able to get up in the morning because you're on the toilet, I'm going for a hike the next day. Right. right? I'm not hung over the next day. That's like telling an alcoholic that they're giving up their freedom for not drinking a six pack mm. every night. Right. No, I know some recovering alcoholics who feel darn free and a lot more free than they used to be. So I think it is freedom and freedom comes down to those choices you make your lifestyle choices. Mm. And we're seeing that certainly now we've seen it. You look at the numbers, heart disease, you know, stroke and all these things go back to, but herein lies where you, go, where you talked about, about society and countries, mm. right? It's the programming that would have us believe that we are mere victims of our genes. Right. And that discounts human evolution in something called genetic expression. Mm. There is no cancer gene. They want you to believe there is a cancer gene. You have this gene. Oh my gosh, you got to have invasive surgery right now. Well, if that's a cancer gene, why do only 50% of the people actually get cancer when they have that gene? Yeah. Because genetic expression is dependent on your environment, your stress levels, what you put in your mind, what you put in your body, where you live, how you live. And you can turn these genes on and off. We know that. Right. So to me, my dad died of cancer in the last two years you know, that impinged on some of the things he wanted to do and some of his mm. freedom. Now, he was an incredible man and, and he lived, but I would rather not have cancer than have cancer. So I'm going to make lifestyle choices. choices. And someone says, well, those are restrictions on your freedom. No, they're not. I feel great. I eat meat and eggs. That's what I eat. I have an occasional glass of wine, right? Mm -hmm. I feel great and I feel free. I don't miss those things because I know they'd create a prison of pain and suffering. <laughs> Well, we've, we've covered so much stuff, Kurt. I mean, it, it's been incredible and I'm sure we could continue <laughs> forever to do this, go down so many different avenues related to freedom. And I think what I picked out a lot of this was that it's in a way it's to do with joy. Obviously, you know, that that's, uh, that's a wonderful thing to do with this. It's also about not being free in some respects, setting these guardrails. I love that idea of, subtraction of getting rid of what's outside and turning within this channel this is where the flow happens it's about creativity um you know and there's so many ways we can go and it's about choices mm. so that's what i get out of it but i'd like you to summarize what you still think are the three key tips you would want to give our listeners today when it comes to freedom yeah, I think, I think you, you just stated it really well, but it's about your choices and it goes back to your daily choices. You are not a victim of circumstance. You are a product of your choices and decisions. And your lot in life right now, love it or hate it, is the product of the decisions that you have made. Even if bad stuff has happened, you made a choice on how to respond or react to that choice. Now, the good news is 
where you're at tomorrow or next week is going to be the product of the decisions you start making right now. So if you marinate in the past and refuse to make better choices and subtract the things that got you, the marination of whatever you're marinating yeah. in from the past, then tomorrow is going to be the same as the past. Mm. If you start visualizing what you want, reverse engineering it to find the shortest, simplest, straightest path to the life you want, whether that's in five minutes, five years, five decades, whatever it is, you're going to be better off. So use the past as a learning experience, mm -hmm. learn what to subtract, learn what to keep, learn what you want, reverse engineer it and travel that line to get it. That is really good. I mean, there's, there's so many wonderful nuggets of advice in there that people can apply to their lives. And I think that's, that's the most beautiful thing that I've enjoyed about our discussion today is that there's on a philosophical level, but you also managed to, to give people some wonderful tips for how to apply that philosophy in a practical perspective and you live that thank life you. yourself you you walk the talk so thank you for that so obviously people should follow you and engage with you if they want to learn about freedom but who else would you recommend if people really want to dig into the topic of freedom what other thought leaders just two or three would you recommend that people could follow yeah it's it's interesting last year i had a, a podcast and i interviewed so many wonderful people um i'm gonna recommend tk coleman uh, T.K. Coleman is just a wonderful thought leader, talks about personal freedom. Uh, he's with the Foundation for Economic Education. He's really big on Twitter. You mm -hmm. can find him there. Uh, Dr. Joe Vitale, V-I-T-A-L-E-Y-E. Uh, um, wonderful uh, man talks about uh, the law of attraction manifestation mm. uh, just an, an incredible thought leader as well and then one of my early mentors who's my best friend he lives in New Zealand uh, Fraser Cameron uh, and he, he's big on on LinkedIn and uh, he was my coach when I when I uh, when I shut down my agency and he kind of kept asking me the simple question what do you want what do you want? And you just kept asking me that over and over. And when I woke up, I said, well, I don't want this. <laughs> so those are three. Well, that's good. And I think that to me is where people should start, right? Instead of focusing on what they want, focus on what they don't want. Yeah. Right. Get rid of the stuff you don't want. And then you can work out the rest, right? In between. Absolutely. That, right? But first of all, just get rid of the, that third of the stuff that you don't want. Um, unfortunately, Kurt, that's all we've got time for today, but I'd like to thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on the show today and sharing not only your wisdom, but also your passion for the topic of freedom. But one last question before yes. you go, which always ask, um, that's Kurt, what brings you joy? My family brings me joy. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, no matter what I have them, uh, with me. And when I wake up in the morning and I think of uh, my daughter and my sons and my wife and their smile, uh, no matter what happens in that day, uh, if there's something that's stressing me out, I look and say, no one, nothing else matters. I got nowhere to go, mm. no place to be, nothing to do except with my family. So, well, that's a beautiful belonging and family. It's a wonderful pillar of joy. So, thank you for mentioning that. So, thank I hope you. you, our listeners, feel inspired and empowered by my chat with Kurt today about the joy, superpower, freedom and how we can use it to have a more positive impact, not only on our own lives and the lives of the people we love, but also on the planet. And if you want to find out more about the work Kurt does, please check out his website, um, kurtmercadante.com and kurtsblogs.com. And we give you the links to those um, in the notes. And why not hop on to social media and using the hashtag at joysuperpowers superpowers 
share your own experiences with the power of freedom. We'd love to hear your, your thoughts. And if you don't already do so, please follow the art and science of joy on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Come and join the conversation and help us spread the joy. Thanks once again for listening. And I hope you tune in next week for the next episode of the art and science of joy. And all it remains for me to do is to thank Kurt once again for being such a wonderful guest on the show today. Thank you, Kurt. Thank you, Andrew. It's been wonderful. Thanks for the opportunity.